Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. So this marks the beginning of our new worship series. And in a world where we, as we live and breathe and seek to be good disciples of Jesus Christ, experience disappointment, in a world where those that we are called to sometimes occupy the same space and certainly be a part of the same humanity, will also experience disappointment. We who are called to be in service for one another recognize that we must learn how to deal with our own disappointment as well as the disappointment that others experience. Disappointment is a powerful emotional force. It can become a part for us to really become so introspective, so engaged in our own misery and suffering that we are unable to function properly as those that are called to be in service of our God and in service to others. And so disappointment is something that warrants our attention, especially as we continue to have events and experiences in our lives, especially in this nation, that bring people disappointment that can sometimes become part of anger and sorrow. It's very vital for us as disciples to look back into the sacred text of the Bible and use the people and the stories and experiences recorded there to not only educate and inform us, but to empower us to react in a holy and godlike way to the disappointments that we experience, as well as the disappointments that others around us are experiencing. And this is meant to equip us, to help us be better disciples individually and collectively in the body of Christ. Today we start when we're disappointed in ourselves. Perhaps we feel that we have failed not only ourselves, but others, especially God. And that can be a time of tremendous sorrow and mourning. It can be a time of incredible embarrassment and guilt. And when others learn of it, sometimes it puts upon us humiliation and shame. And we cannot stay there. So when we hear this story about Moses and Aaron it's really important for us to pay attention to some of the detail and the nuance of the story. Moses, to this day, is considered in Judaism to be the greatest of the prophets. He sets a standard by which all subsequent prophets are judged. Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, John the Baptist, and even Jesus have to recognize the power and the position of Moses. And Aaron, his brother, is no different. As the first high priest, the first who sets a standard for a priesthood, Aaron and Moses lead God's people at a triumphant and pinnacle time in the Old Testament. And their success has certainly molded and modified how we think of success, even in Christianity. And when we look back at today's story, we see that they weren't perfect people. And yet they were there from the very beginning. Moses literally was the first person to whom God revealed that the exodus would happen. 
from a burning bush that was not consumed, God spoke to Moses and called him into service and revealed to him that through mighty signs and wonders, God would make it possible for Pharaoh to set free the Israelites from their bondage to slavery in Egypt and that Moses would be the one through whom they would follow and find their God at Mount Sinai. And all of this was the beginning of an incredible journey, not just with Moses leading God's people, but Moses in relationship with God. And Aaron quickly joined to become the mouthpiece of Moses. And Aaron took his rightful place beside his brother to help bring about the signs and the wonders to shepherd God's people through the 10 plagues that overpower Egypt, including Pharaoh. And ultimately, they lead their people into the wilderness of Sinai. And even when the people mess up and lack faith and forget that God is not just capable of freeing them from Egypt, but bringing them into the promised land, and they react against that promise, Moses and Aaron walk alongside them and lead them for 40 years of wilderness wandering. And then we get to today's story. Here in the book of Numbers in chapter 20, Moses and Aaron mess up and fail horribly. The people are once more crying out against Moses and Aaron and God. They are constant and consistent complainers, the Israelites. It doesn't take very long for them to come up against a sea and say, hey, you brought us here to die. Good job. It doesn't take very long for them to say, you know, you brought us into this wilderness place and there's not a lot of water and there's almost half a million of us and our livestock. And oh, by the way, at least back in Egypt, we had cucumbers and meat. Thank you so much. They're a very snarky, stiff-necked, and hardened heart people. And time and time again, they make Moses and Aaron feel miserable. They make them feel like failures. But time and time again, God uses God's power and strength and might to bring forth miracles and to allow Moses and Aaron to be vessels through whom God provides for God's people. And that's an incredible position that they have. And so here, once more, they arrive at Meribah, and they have no water, and there's a lot of people and thirsty animals. And so again, they cry out. The text says they quarreled with Moses. They were fighting with him, bickering, making him feel bad. And Moses and Aaron start off by doing the exact right thing. They go before God, the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, and they fall on their faces. They lie prostrate, not only in body, but in spirit. And they beseech God for help. And God responds, I'm going to show you how to fix this. Take your staff, that same staff that you used to perform signs and wonders in Egypt and signs and wonders in the wilderness. Take that same staff and go over to the rock and with your symbol of authority, call forth the water. I who have created with the power of my word am empowering you to use your words to cry out and call forth life-giving water. And that's all you have to do. And then they will see that neither you nor I have abandoned them in their need, reminding them once again that God is with them and for them. But Moses and Aaron do what so many of us do. They are not just impacted by the negativity and the complaining and the experience and the situation and the the relationships around them, but then they act out of that frustration and that pain. 
And instead of going forth and speaking as people of God, they cry out some rather insulting things. Moses says to them, listen, you rebels, shall we, Moses and Aaron, bring water for you out of this rock? And then he hits the rock, not once, but twice. And thankfully, God doesn't allow us to become barriers for God's blessing. God still lets water come out of the rock, even though that was not the plan by which God designed or instructed Moses and Aaron. God still brings forth water so that the people will not thirst and so that the flocks and the herds and all of the animals will be cared for as well. God fixes their mistake, but that doesn't mean that there isn't an accounting. And so even after the people and all the animals are given water to drink. God says to Moses and Aaron, you have messed up. You did not use your words. You lashed out in violence and struck the rock. Not once, but twice. And so now you will not shepherd these people into the promised land. You have failed to be obedient to me. And you have responded to their sinful inclinations with your own sinful disobedience. And so I will not allow you to continue that behavior in the promised land. Others will pick up your mantle and carry on. And this is a moment where we often gloss over it too quickly. This is a moment where Aaron and Moses must decide. They've been shamed by their behavior It is clearly recognized by God, and God calls them into account over it. Now, they could do what some of us want to do when we feel that humiliated. They could throw in the towel and throw up their hands and say, fine, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm done. I'm done. And they could slink away out into the wilderness. Or they could get combative and they could start blaming other people. There are lots of responses to feeling like we have been a failure or that we are a disappointment. And especially when we feel like at the end of the day, we've really just disappointed ourselves. There are lots of negative responses. But despite all that they have seen and heard and experienced, despite all of the triumphs and now this pretty epic failure on their part, Moses and Aaron do not fail In the end, they decide that they are going to continue to do what they are supposed to do. They pick themselves up, they dust themselves off, and they lead God's people for 16 more chapters in the book of Numbers and for the entire book of Deuteronomy. Moses does not turn around and lash out at the people and say, because of you, I was so upset, I yelled at you, and then I hit the rock, and it's really your fault. He doesn't pass the buck. He doesn't share the blame. He simply shoulders the reality, and he chooses to move forward. And Aaron does the same. They will continue to do the work that God first called them to all the way back in Exodus. They will look to God's people to make sure that they hear the word of God as Moses is a prophet and that they are able to worship God and receive the reconciliation that happens through the sacrificial system because Aaron is the high priest. And their legacy is not marked by this, but by what they did right. They did have a massive failure, one with consequences the likes of which most of us would not like to experience. If you had been through all the pain and suffering of the 10 plagues in Egypt, 
If you had survived the parting of the sea and getting all of these people away from Pharaoh's chariots, if you had survived 40 years of wilderness wandering with these people, and then at the end to find out that you were going to come right up to the very edge of the promised land and not go in, you might let your disappointment completely taint everything else. That would be a very human response and one that I could see myself having to battle. But Moses and Aaron know that the best way to overcome this failure is to go back to the call and to their purpose and still serve God and God's people. It is not about their failure, but what they do now and forward. Because God's grace is sufficient for that. While they didn't enter into the promised land, while it changed the fact that they could not continue to lead these people in a new place with new obstacles and new experiences, they did their job. And when the time came for the people to go into the promised land, God received Moses and Aaron and will raise them up with all of God's people. And so in a more profound way, when we have our opportunity to enter into the biggest promised land, the kingdom to come, Moses and Aaron will be entering in for the first time with us. And so it is important for us to recognize that disappointment happens, especially in ourselves. But it cannot be the calling card of our existence. We can't let it set the theme and the tone for the rest of our lives because God doesn't. God doesn't mark us by our failure. Instead, God came to us in Jesus Christ, allowed God's self to be sacrificed on the cross, and said, let me show you how much I'm willing to forgive you to raise you up so that you can try again and again and again until you enter into the kingdom that I have prepared for you. And that's the message that we need to hear. And maybe it's a message that we've been waiting to hear for a long time. Or maybe it's one that we need to hear right now. Or maybe it's one that we need to recall in the months and years ahead when one day we are feeling that all we are is a failure and we couldn't be more disappointed in ourselves, the words that we have spoken, the things that we have done, the things that we have not done, and the relationships that we have not sought to heal. But the Holy Spirit reminds us, not only in the retelling of the story of Moses and Aaron, but in our story, that failure is not the end. We serve a God who refuses to be marked by failure and who refuses to let us be stained by failure as well. We are called and forgiven people. And when we choose to confront our disappointment and to acknowledge those feelings, feelings that do bring us anger, pain and suffering and sorrow. We leave those on God's altar, knowing that God will help us process them and overcome them. Because in our weakness that brought about the failure and disappointment, now God's strength can be revealed. For we are mortal, flawed, and fractured people. We are not able to do all things, but in Christ, we are. So we cling to that. We remember who we are, beloved children of God of sacred worth, 
and we dust ourselves off from disappointment and we stand up once more in the name and the glory of the one who says, I will raise you up. And we continue to move forward in the work of Jesus Christ. Mindful that every day there will be setbacks and there will be difficulty. There will even be suffering in the days ahead. But that is not our eulogy. That is not our legacy. Our legacy is one of dedication and perseverance in the midst of trial and tribulation. And so we have to rejoice that very few people actually know this story of Moses and Aaron. But they also are teaching us another important lesson. When we feel ashamed and we feel guilty, when we discover those horrific feelings of embarrassment and humiliation that threaten to destroy our identity and really strip us of any self-esteem. We cannot respond like the world responds. We cannot respond like Moses and Aaron by falling prey to those negative emotions. We can't respond with harsh words and antagonistic encounters. And we never respond with violence. We don't lash out and strike. God said, use your words and call forth goodness and blessing. And out of a completely understandable and human response, Moses and Aaron resort to being earthly vessels rather than to being vessels of the divine. May we remember that when we feel the words rising and the anger boiling over, when we feel the desire to throw something and hit something and make our point felt. Instead, may we see where they started right. They went to God and they asked for God to help. And then when God told them what to do, may you and I and Christians everywhere find the strength to resist the human response. And instead, may we become vessels of the divine response, which is to always be a blessing, to give even when people are not grateful, to show grace even when people refuse to recognize that they need it. May we become people who model more of Jesus Christ and less of our flawed, sinful selves. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.